This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Mondays, we get a chance to talk with our gang over at uh, AMI-tv. And one of the things that we haven't mentioned in a while is checking out the AMI app. Fantastic app with lots of great content. You know, you're kind of sitting around at home over the weekend. You might say, hey, I want to see some stuff from AMI-tv. Well, download from the App Store, uh, the iOS or the uh, Android App Store. You can find yourself a whole bunch of great content using the AMI app. It's accessible. You can watch documentary programming that's there, some of the shows, and, of course, whatever digital shorts they've posted up there. Keep up on it, folks. It's accessible and a lot of fun to you with some great content. That is the AMI app, available using your app store. Kelly McDonald, back with you on the Friday edition of Kelly and Company. And on uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, uh, we get a chance to find out what's going on in different points around the country. Today, for our regional content report, we're joined by Karen McGee, AMI Content Development Specialist in Morrisburg, Ontario. Just overseeing everything through Ontario and Quebec. What's going on, Karen? Welcome back. Kelly, I lied to you on your notes. I'm actually in Toronto. I'm just leaving Toronto, actually. Uh, How many days have you been there? Uh, what time is it? Two hours? Three hours? Oh, one of those kind of trips. Yeah, just drove in and dropped something off, Stephen. Good in grief. That, that's the ones where you spend more time driving than actually in the city. And I know it's Toronto, so a lot of time the people are saying, sorry, Toronto people, but they're saying, yeah, man, let me get out before the traffic. Well, look at it this way. I'm, I'm, I'm considering it driving training for driving down to Florida this fall. Ah, for your Disney run. That's right. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. When was the last time you uh, went into Toronto driving? Uh, a week ago. Oh, okay. So this isn't like now <laughs> one of the, oh man, no. I hardly do this anymore. Well, last week was a, I hadn't been in big city traffic for a while. Boy, I forgot what it was like. That's okay. I survived. <laughs> I survived to tell the tale. Well, it's crazy, isn't it? Morrisburg, Ontario. Uh, and then we're talking all Toronto and big city driving. Wow. Because you drive it. I mean, doesn't even have a stoplight anymore, so <laughs> yeah. a traffic circle instead. Well, that's when things, you know, things are getting slower. When we'll take out the traffic light, it's not necessary. All right, <laughs> less people here. Um, one of the things that I wondered, okay, or wonder with you being in Toronto, we talk a lot about inclusive playgrounds and activity places. Uh, earlier in the week, we had Jay's Care on talking about the Roy Holiday Field. Uh, just so much great stuff. We know on the program, we often get into topics about playgrounds. Uh, so let's get into this particular topic of, of I think, tremendous interest. Um, Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital has a tremendous tool that they've developed that make it makes it easier for communities to design to design inclusive playgrounds. What's in their playbook? So we've talked about Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital before, tongue twister, and they do fantastic work. Every once in a while, they drop sort of one of these. Also, my how to guide. And quite frankly, I'm not going to lie to you, Kelly, I'm missing Ronnie right now because her and I are the, are the sort of playground, I don't want to say experts, but enthusiasts. Play, yeah, I think um, that. I was going to say gurus, but no, you're right. Enthusiasts is probably the better enthusiasts. word. Enthusiasts. So this playbook, the official title is, and everything has to have an official title, is Creating Inclusive Playgrounds, a playbook of considerations and strategies 
And it's meant to see municipalities, um, community groups, designers, developers, builders, and families living with a disability. It's a comprehensive guide in how to build an inclusive playground. And it includes things, it's not just about the physical space, because, you know, when you think inclusive play, it's like, okay, like, we're going to have an accessible swing and accessible teeter-totter, but this guide sort of goes into how to get the community engaged, how to get some of your funding, how to have some play programming, and how to upkeep the maintenance on the playgrounds, what you should be looking for, how you should be playing for it. So it's more than just, here's how you design a playground, here's how you get the money for it, right? and here's how you keep keep it going, which is quite frankly, this is important as, as the actual build. The build is sort of like the middle part, and this book ends on either end. Um, there's four different sections to it. How do we start? How can I get there? Can I play? And can I stay? I just love those titles. Um, and like I said, it's really like a playbook and, and from scratch and how to keep an inclusive playground in your neighborhood up and running, which is fantastic. Um, it's tremendous when you th- when you hear about something like this because, as you said, it's a real guide to how to do it, where, what kind of resources, because we're... And I think about this all the time. So much else would be done if people didn't have to, when confronted with something, a subject, an idea, well, where do I go and find this out? Get online, research, Google, and do what you do. But a lot of time you go down a lot of rabbit holes that something like this book um, takes away that, that chore. And, and these guys really know what they're talking about. So, you know, you know it's done, um, I, I don't want to say with the best intention, but it, it's done with facts and it's done with research. And it, it, it's a site that can really be trusted. Sounds great. Uh, where can people uh, get their information? So I do want to take the free resource. I forgot to mention the word free. Um, nice. On ca. Um, they go into much more detail on the webpage. You can check it out there. Um, and overall, this is a really great site, uh, the hollandbloomer.ca. Um, they have a lot of free resources there. Okay. Really wonderful. Awesome. Great thing to bring. And folks, please do take advantage of that or, or at least direct your town, your community, whatever to, to whatever, because uh, uh sounds like something that so many towns and cities are so open to right now. Uh, your second item, Guide Dogs of Canada is now taking registration for their motorcycle ride fundraiser. What can you tell us about this? So this one's going to be the 25th annual Guide Dog Ride to benefit the Canadian Guide Dogs for the Blind. Um, and it is the National Capital Region. For those who don't know, National Capital Region is basically Ottawa, which is kind of the Ottawa area. Um, we like to be fancy. Um, it's the longest-running charity motorcycle ride in the region. Um, the date for this year's event will be Sunday, September 11th. Um, it's a 200-kilometer race. Not to, sorry, it's a ride, not a race. It'll take riders throughout the picturesque Ottawa Valley region and along the region's waterways, including the Rideau Canal, um, which is in Toronto, and down my neck of the woods along the St. Lawrence River. So basically, Ottawa down to, I don't know if they're coming as far as more, but the St. Lawrence River is pretty long. They can hit it to, in a couple places. Um, the Guide Dog Ride is a rain and shine event with 100% of the proceeds going to the Canadian Guide Dogs for the Blind. Individual riders and all bands and clubs are welcome. Uh, they do ask that you don't bring any pet dogs, though. Um, sometimes I know the Mike bikers like to have their pet dogs. That's anything right. they're doing this, but they ask that no dogs come along. Um, when you, you know, with doing TV stuff, uh, at the different bureaus across the country, and I know I had the experiences to, to take in different rides, different fundraising events, um, always a lot of fun, isn't it? To go, if you love motorcycles, so many different ones to see, whether, and, and even the ones, the rides that are bicycles, even you get so many different things, Karen, to look at the, and, and unique people from all walks of life. It's a lot of fun that they're all pulling for a same cause. 
There's a lot of fun. Actually, I, uh, our house is just off Highway 2, which runs along the St. Lawrence River. Um, there, are, there are bike rides that go by all the time. It's a really great way to do a fundraiser. It, it, it looks like a lot of fun. Um, they always seem to be having a lot of fun on the bikes. So I just watch wistfully from my porch. And they love the questions, right? And I think that's a lot of how these things go over so well. It's like um, the old classic cars. I remember being involved with fundraisers and classic cars and being able to ride in them for uh, when I horseback rode. We we had a, an annual one, and I remember being navigator, that kind of thing. It was so much fun to to see those cars and for people who would line the road to watch for it. It was just great. Uh, how do people register? So registration for the event is going to take place on the day of at the at the Guide Dogs for Blind National Training Center, which is in Manitoc, which is just south of Ottawa. It's, it's really close to Ottawa. It's a beautiful area. Between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. in the morning of the 11th of September, costs $3 per participant. And this year's riders may actually pre-register online to collect pledges at www.guidedogs.ca. Um, if you raise more than $100, you'll receive a custom-made original guide dog ride motorcycle patch to put on your fancy leather jacket. That is cool. I love the idea of, and maybe they do it this way all the time, that, you know, come down, register same day, because so many people look out and, hey, this is going to be a good day, or, oh, boy, that's not. Um, it, it's nice to have that ability to be flexible in case that morning something has come up for you or or, or to get involved so easily with relatively minimal donation. They just want you to be a part of it, want people to enjoy themselves, see, and probably those folks are the ones that are going to, when you know so much awareness is brought to them, make those donations that are important. It, it is a lot about the awareness. And you mentioned earlier, I know like the Tim Hortons in Morseburg is a pretty big stopping ground for rides like this. Um, there'll, be, there'll be so many bikes and some of it. People love to talk about why they're doing what they're doing. Um, yes. It's these causes are important to the people who are doing the rides. And they're taking a day out of their Sunday. 200 kilometers takes a while to do. It's not like you can go 100, and 100 kilometers bombing down some of these country roads. Well, if I'm supposed to, I, I might. Um, but um, <laughs> you know but the it, roads, it, it, though. I know. I know. I know where the police officers may be hiding. Wait, I got to be careful because I'm going to drive back to Ottawa today, and uh, I, gotta, I know there's going to be a lot of. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of speed traps yep. along uh, the 401 on my way. <laughs> I want to well, jinx myself. Yeah, be careful of that. And, and I think, Karen, though, going back to your thought, that, like it really is a wonderful time for these folks to get in and learn about something uh, so important to so many of us, so many of our listenership out there, for sure. Um, but it's always nice because they will, they like to talk. They will like to share. And, of course, they're going to reach out to their friends and say, hey, man, I'm doing the ride on the weekend. Why don't you come on? Oh, what ride? And it's really educational for everyone. Awesome. It's a lot of fun. I, maybe someday I'll get up the nerves. Maybe you should buy a bike. Maybe you should buy a motorcycle. You should get an AMI bike. Oh, yeah. An AMI bike. Oh, my dad used to be quite a rider. Yeah. Uh, An AMI motorcycle. Yeah, years and years ago. So I only remember a little bit when I was a kid, he'd borrow someone else's and we'd go out. I remember my cousin used to come and drive me to school sometimes. And boy, I felt so cool. When I was in public school, I felt like I was the coolest kid in the world. Well, I, I look funny in, the, in, a, in a sidecar, so you know the, whoever's got me in their sidecar looks pretty strange with the bike tilted so much. Thanks, McGee. We'll see you later. Have a safe drive. <laughs> our content development specialists join us Wednesdays and Fridays right here on Kelly and Company. In our next hour, yeah, there's still another one, folks. Do you pay attention to audiobook art cover? 
work for it, you know, that kind of thing. Ryan Huey, he's going to highlight a Twitter conversation uh, about that concept. Okay, we'll do that with uh, the Chatty Bookshelf. Let's get the conversation recaps and comment on segments from the past week on Cut for Time. But up next, he joins us again. He was here at the top of the show. He's here for the start of the next hour. Bill Shackleton with the buzz. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.